Hey guys, welcome to Spiritual Gifts class to Immersion Discipleship School. This is session eight, and we're focusing on now the motivational gifts. The last several weeks, we've looked at the different categories of gifts, and you remember that we've talked about three categories of gifts. Those are the ministry gifts found in Ephesians 4. We also looked at the manifestation gifts found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And today, we're beginning our first part of the motivational gifts, which are found in Romans chapter 12. And then next session, we're gonna go over the second half of the same gifts that we're studying today. So let's just jump right in in Romans chapter 12, verse one through 13. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Rome. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If it's prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if it's service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints while practicing hospitality. Now there's a lot of verses in here, but what we found very simply is that there's seven different gifts that we are gonna focus on, but there's a context that we wanna talk about. The Apostle Paul, of course, wrote this letter to the Roman church. And some of the context, we find that this letter was somewhere written between 56 and 57 AD. And Paul was most likely in Corinth while he was writing this letter and he was getting ready to go into Jerusalem and he wanted to stop in Rome. And we see that uh, this letter was somewhat of a preparation that he was hoping to make it to Rome. And, uh, and what we find also is that it seems clear that Paul had never been in this church before. He didn't start this church. He hadn't been in this church. And some people, you know, they, the scholars really wonder, how did the church in Rome get started? Some people would say that the church was started because there were people there from Rome on the day of Pentecost when the 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that we find in Acts chapter two. And then they went back to Rome and started the church there. We don't exactly know how the church got started in Rome, but we do know that some of Paul's friends and companions, namely Priscilla and Aquila, were leaders in the church at Rome. And some interesting historical information is that in 49 AD, the Roman emperor named Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome. And although Rome was primarily made up of Gentiles, the church was primarily the leaders, at least, of the Church of Rome were from Jewish descent. And so what happens in 49 AD is the emperor kicks all the Jews out of Rome. And when that happens, what you basically have is the whole leadership of the church is basically dismissed. And now it's in the hands of Gentiles. And so if the Jewish believers at that time had raised up Gentiles, all of a sudden overnight, they had become the leaders of the church. And the emperor Claudius 
lost, he, he, he died not long later. This is five, six years later. And the Jews slowly made their way back to Rome into their old homes. And what happens is for six or seven years, you have Gentiles that have basically uh, assumed the leadership of the church. And as the Jews are coming back, and they used to be the leaders of the church, they find themselves in a conundrum where they have to learn unity again because what once was true is now no longer true. And the, and the church had grown exponentially with Gentiles. And so the Jews were trying to find their place. And here Paul is really calling them to unity. And we really find in the book of Romans, like the, Paul's theology, it's like the longest doctrinal treatise we find from Paul at all in all of his 13 letters. And so what's amazing about this is that we find it in the context of him calling Jew and Gentile to come together in unity, even though there's diversity. And so there's a lot to really discuss here and to understand about the book of Romans, but it starts to make a lot more sense when we understand a little bit of the history that goes on. And in Romans chapter 12, here's this focus of how there can be unity among diversity through our spirituality, which is our commonality. And so this is what we want to focus on, which are the motivational gifts that God has given to each one in the body so that the parts can come together and function in a way that glorifies God and all that he's called us to be. Now, just like we've done with manifestation gifts, I want to talk to you about some principles for motivational gifts. And so some of those we're going to find, and I just want to simply read this to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 6. Because we find this term motivation based on this verse that we read in a prior passage in Corinthians. This is what it says, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. We read here in Romans chapter 12, it's mentioned here as gifts, which is the reference to what God gives to all. And it's very important in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, you see varieties of gifts, varieties of ministries, and varieties of effects. That's really where we get the ministry gifts, varieties of ministries, the manifestation is the same word for effects, and then also gifts. The motivational gifts are actually the gifts that God gives to those who are born again and every person gets a gift or, or two, we call that a gift mix, when they become a believer in Jesus Christ. They're born again of the Spirit of God. The reason that we sometimes call it gift mixes from Romans chapter 12, not from 1 Corinthians or from Ephesians 4, the reason we would say gift mixes is because sometimes people can't figure out what their primary gift is, and so we simply say you have a gift mix, which means you have two very strong leanings in one or the other, and it's really not important to find out which one's your primary because you have both focuses in your heart. And so this is what we allow for. But here are some of the principles that we find in Romans chapter 12 uh, based out of its context. Number one is that everyone has a primary motivational gift. Everyone in the body of Christ, everyone who names the name of Jesus and is born again has a primary motivational gift or a gift mix like I've just explained to you. And it says this in verse four, Romans chapter 12 that I just read, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. He already makes a distinction right there. Not all have the same function. So he's allowing for diversity. He's actually acknowledging that it's very true. And he goes on to say in verse 5, So we who are many are one body in Christ, individual members of one another, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each one is to exercise them 
accordingly. He actually just says it right there. Each one has a different gift. And it's not different gift in, in manifestation gifts. It's not different gift when it comes to Ephesians 4, although that could have some truth as well. But in this context, he's saying different gift in the motivational gifts. Each one has been given something different. And he also uses past tense, which means you have been given that. Now, this is what I would like to say to you. You have a gift or a gift mix. Maybe you don't know what that is. Maybe you haven't discovered it, but it is very true. When you're born again, they're given to you by the Holy Spirit as God determines. It's a past tense reality. So we're trying to discover what we have, and then we want to use it, like he says here, exercise it accordingly. The second principle that I want to share with you from motivational gifts is everyone has a different measure of faith for their motivational gift. Listen to verse 3. God has allotted each one a measure of faith. There are different measures of faith. Now, I don't understand this, uh, how God chooses who to give what to or what measure of faith to. I do know this, though, that some people give their lives to Jesus and they sort of enter in, not necessarily at another level of maturity, but they enter into Christ at another level of faith. And so they're really, they're really rocking it for Jesus, while other people, it's more of a process from the beginning, but we're all kind of catching up to the same place in Christ. But I don't know why God gives one this measure of faith, which might seem a little bit more than the other. It really is His purpose to do that. He understands. It's His wisdom. We don't really know. But it says very clearly, each one is allotted a measure of faith, and with that comes gifts. And so we see that we all have a different measure. Verse 6 says, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, which actually acknowledge, it, this acknowledges it again, a different measure of faith. So two people can have the gift of prophecy, but one person could be functioning at a different level because God's given them a different measure of faith. Now the other person has to grow in faith so that they can function continually as they grow and develop the primary gift that God has given them. But again, they don't all start at the same place because God knows that he gives a different measure of faith. And we see that in two different verses here. So this is where we see the gift functioning at different levels. And I want to say that to you because it's really important that when we look at the gift of prophecy or the gift of teaching, that we don't compare it to other people because it looks different in different people. And we need to know that as we seek to understand what God has given us, because you might look at somebody who has the gift of teaching and go, well, I don't have the gift of teaching because I don't look like that. Well, that, that's not necessarily the way that you come to understand what God has given to you. It might be helpful, but it's not necessarily helpful all the time to compare and contrast with another person, especially a person that has a lot more experience or that's been doing it for a lot, a lot longer. But we can grow and press the boundaries of our faith as we exercise our gifts that God has given us. The third principle I want to tell you about motivational gifts is everyone must discover and exercise their motivational gifts. Paul mentions this and, and the results that will follow is that we will be a people that give our gifts away. We will grow in unity with one another. We will grow in love for one another as we function together. So not only do we want to discover what we have, but we want to use it. What good is it knowing what you have if you don't use it? The whole point of using it is that we would uh, love on each other. That's what he says, serve one another, love one another. And he's saying that in the context of the gifts. So here's what you have. And if, as you use that, you're loving on one another, you're serving one another. And that's very, very important. And so it takes faith to do that. That's why Paul mentions faith two times. That's why we're focusing on that together. 
Now, those being the principles, uh, surrounding principles of motivational gifts, I want to start talking about the gifts themselves. And the first gift that we want to bring up on the list is the gift of prophecy. Now, let me say this to you very quickly because we kind of have to recap. We've seen this gift before, but it's a different kind of gift. Now, the gift of prophecy here is a motivational gift. Some people are given that gift at their spiritual birth. The 1 Corinthians chapter 12 a manifestation gift of prophecy is different in that it's a gift that God will give situationally. You don't have to have the gift of prophecy as a primary function in order to minister in that gift because it is also something that God wants his whole body to use in a consistent way, especially as we gather together or go out to minister in Jesus' name. And so you can learn to minister in the gift of prophecy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's your primary function. And there also is a gift of prophet, which is, as we've talked about, one that carries the authority to not only prophesy, but equip other people in the prophetic to hear the voice of God. And so there are some distinctions. I always say the the gift of prophet, the gift of prophecy, and the prophetic anointing. And that would be prophet of Ephesians 4, uh, prophecy, Romans chapter 12, and the prophetic anointing would be for all the body of Christ to learn how to prophesy. And uh, you can pick up my soon coming book called Prophesy if you want to learn more about that. But here we want to look at the gift of prophecy and give a definition. And this is my definition of it. Prophecy is to hear from God for a person or a people and to speak what God is saying. A person who has this gift is always thinking about what God is saying. That's very important. You say, how do I discover if this is my primary function that God has given me? A person who has this gift, you're always thinking about what God is saying. And that's important. You're thinking about right and wrong. You're an equalizer. You're justice-oriented. You're, you're perceptive. This is who you are. This is how you function. And we want to look further at the gift of prophecy. To prophesy is to foretell the present priorities of God, what God is thinking and saying and what is his heart right here and right now. It's also to foretell, which is to tell beforehand things that are about to come. Whether they're world events or not maybe isn't the issue, but it could be for a local church, it could be for a family, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker. So to foretell and to foretell, a prophet will prophesy, but not everyone who prophesies, as I've said, is a prophet. And this is very, very important. Prophecy is supernatural revelation from God for another person, and it must be spoken. Really, the defining aspect of prophecy is that it's spoken. You can receive a prophetic word, that's the revelation, but it's never a prophecy, nor are you prophesying until it's spoken, because the word prophecy or prophesy carries the connotation of it being spoken. And so like we say in our ministry, we don't believe in parking lot prophets or retrospective prophets like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. A lot of people, you can say that when something comes to pass that God spoke to you about that and told you that it was going to happen, but it didn't really do us any good that you say that because you never said it up front. You never told us beforehand. You never released that revelation or insight. So really, it's, we don't do retrospective prophecy. It's easy to say, well, I saw that or I thought that was going to happen. Prophecy needs to be spoken. It needs to be spoken forth. It needs to be um, accountable. It needs to be out of our mouths. And that's a defining aspect of prophecy. There are three primary ways that we'll receive prophetic words for other people. And that's we're going to hear something from God that'll be external or internal. Typically, it's an internal voice. Some people hear externally. 
We're also going to feel something. And that's where the Holy Spirit will allow us to sense or feel something. The word feel, it, it's, not really a, it's not really a good word that really encompasses what I mean by this. But I think you understand we feel or we sense. We have an impression. We have a sense internally. Um, an impression is where God really lays something on our heart. We feel something in our heart. We carry kind of a burden. It's really hard to kind of explain that, but the Lord really does give that, uh, that feeling or whatever. And also we see. So hear, feel, and see. Seeing a vision, a dream, a picture. Many people are seers if they have this gift. So they're constantly seeing visions when they pray. They might close their eyes or open them. You can see a vision externally or, or internally. An open vision is an external vision. And then an internal vision is where you could have your eyes closed or you see something like in your mind and in your heart. And the Lord does that very, very often. A lot of scripture references to the gift of prophecy. Acts chapter 11, verse 27 through 30, we read about a guy named Agabus who's a prophet. He predicted a famine in the church. And as a result of his prediction, his prophecy, they received an offering that was given right where it needed to go. Acts chapter 21, verse 1 through 12, Agabus again, he prophesied that Paul would be delivered into the hands of the Romans. And really it was to prepare Paul's heart that he was going to be bound and delivered up. And Paul really said, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to go where I'm supposed to go anyways. I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed. But it prepared his heart because he was going to endure great suffering. And that's, that's kind of what I want to zero in on. I want to say to you that when prophecies are given, they're supposed to be helpful. They're not just supposed to kind of be like a sugar pill uh, to make us feel affirmed and, and cared about. That, that's, a, that's important. But I mean, God wants to give us words as we're on mission with him that are strategic, that are helpful for the whole church. They're helpful for individuals to pivot their life uh, where God's called them to go and what he's called them to know. And so we want to really remember that we want the fruitfulness from the prophetic word, not just sort of a feeling. We want it to be fruitful. And remember that as you're thinking about, um, when you're thinking about this gift of prophecy. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, Paul says that prophecy brings strength, encouragement, and comfort. And come on, how, how, how much more do we need strength, encouragement, and comfort in the church? And, and the world is just dying for this. They need somebody to encourage them and comfort them. When you come to someone with a word from the Lord, it just carries a substance. It carries a weight to it that can release a, a burden in someone's soul. It can cause somebody to be encouraged and lifted above their circumstances. It can cause somebody to be comforted in a season of grief or what they're going through. It really can pull us out of situations, deliver us from darkness. One word from the Lord is worth all, more than all the silver and gold. It's worth more money than somebody could offer you. Money can't bring you happiness. Money can't bring you deliverance. But I'll tell you, a word from the Lord can deliver you. A word from the Lord can sustain you. And so we really want the prophetic word and the prophetic gift to function in our churches, in our homes, in our lives more and more. Now I want to, again, kind of just show you some of the functions of the, of the prophetic gift. And the first is to strengthen. A prophetic word will build someone up. It'll make them stand, stand tall and strong in the Lord. The second function is to encourage or to exhort. It will stir someone up and challenge them, you know, to take new ground, to conquer what's in front of them. We need the exhortation of the Lord and the prophetic word can bring that. Number three is it can comfort. A prophetic word will cause people to hope again, to believe again, to rise up again. We need this as well. Number four is to confirm. God will confirm what he is saying to us through a prophetic word from another person. 
or maybe we're carrying that word and he will cause us to be confirmation in the words that we share. We need confirmation. People are seeking direction. They're looking to the Lord for what's next. What's the next step? What's the next season? What am I supposed to do? What's the strategic move in this situation in my life, in my marriage, in my home, with my children? And we can release that as a confirmation of what God is already telling people. And the fifth and final function that I'm going to share with you about the prophetic gift is that it reveals. God will often reveal something through a prophetic word that sometimes we're emotionally incapable of hearing the voice of God in a situation. I wish that weren't true, but it is. And somebody will come with a prophetic word and maybe we have never heard this from the Lord before. So it's not a confirmation, but it's a revelation. That does happen. And there are times where people will say, God will never, through a prophetic word, give a revelation that you haven't previously heard from Him. And that's not true. There are times where maybe you haven't considered something from the Lord and a person will come along and release a revelation. It's like a seed and it starts to bear fruit. I remember when somebody gave me a word about writing books and this was years ago. I was probably 20, maybe 21 years old and I really didn't have the capacity or even in my mind the ability to do what they were saying I was going to do. But it was years and years later when I realized as I was preaching sermons and writing out notes that I actually had a book and I started compiling it and putting it together. And the Lord had spoken to me about it many, many times after that person initially gave me the prophetic word about writing books. And so what I'm saying is, is that person that released a word, it was like a seed and it started to grow and God watered that prophetic word and, it, and I've, I've received many confirmations based on that revelation. So it can be confirmation or revelation, but we really do need the prophetic gift. And if that's your motivational gift, again, you're going to always be thinking about what is the Lord saying about the church? What is the Lord saying about my home? What is the Lord saying about my job or my coworkers or people in my life? That's who you are. That's usually how you think. The second gift we want to look at and, and really talk about is the gift of teaching. And the definition is the ability to provide practical instruction for the kingdom for kingdom living through biblical truth. This is a person who has the per, or sorry, the person who has this gift is always thinking about how to help people understand. A person who has the gift of teaching, they're always thinking about how to help people understand. They can't let that go. It's just who they are, how to help someone understand this principle, this concept, and they want to lay things out very very Clearly, this, this gift is not just about giving information. It's about helping people know and live in the truth. This isn't just that you're a good professor or you should be a history teacher. That's not necessarily the same thing. There are a lot of people in life that are good teachers when it comes to natural things, natural understanding. But a teacher that is born again of the Spirit, the spiritual gift of teaching, is really to impart truth. And it's to help people understand and live out truth, spiritual reality. Communication is the key to the power of this gift and it requires a response or at least understanding. Somebody really finds themselves wanting to really research and go deep in the things of God, understanding the things of God themselves. They really want wisdom. A person's passionate pursuit of wisdom is very evident when they have the gift of teaching. This person is also gifted to communicate and they're gifted not, not always at the same level. Some people are great communicators um, and they're great with young people or, or maybe even middle-aged, older families, children, youth, whatever. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're a good communicator, but you're a good communicator when it comes to imparting truth and helping people to build their lives on God's Word. Some scripture references for the teacher is that Jesus was a teacher. Obviously, he taught with authority. That's Luke 4.32. 
There were many teachers of the law, so teaching was a very common thing. The early church had actually identified some teachers, those that had this gift or this mantle. Acts chapter 13, that's in the church at Antioch. There were many teachers and prophets there. The early church also identified false teachers, so they knew that there was a false or counterfeit gift, 2 Peter 2, 1. And we're all meant to teach in some capacity according to the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, teach them to obey. So we all want to learn from teachers how to teach. And the Bible is the basis for all teaching, 2 Timothy 3.16, right? It's all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching. And so the many scripture references when it comes to not just even the gift of teaching, but the ministry of teaching, which certainly the church has, has great stock in, we want to make sure that we understand that it's not just, uh, that, that there's, a, there's a teacher as a five-fold ministry, but there's also a gift of teaching. And there are several in the body of Christ that have this, but there's different measures of faith and different levels of that gifting. So we don't want to compare and contrast to those different levels. Some are t- good teachers for small groups. Some are good teachers for children. Some are good teachers for large congregations or large amounts of people. It really is up to the Lord and how He has wired us and gifted us in this way. Now, some of the functions for teaching, the gift of teaching, is this. is Number one, teaching helps us differentiate between right and wrong. That's one thing that teaching uh, does when it's flowing in the church. Number two is that teaching instructs the body of Christ to be obedient in action. A teacher is not just satisfied to help people know something. They want to help people unto lifestyle. And so they're dissatisfied if people know it but don't walk in it. And that's something that's very true. And it's something a teacher or a person with the gift of teaching needs to hold themselves accountable to. Number three is teaching lays out the parameters of the spiritual life. This is like a long-term investment. Teachers understand that that they can't help people get there overnight, but they're laying out the guardrails on the path of life so that people over a long period of time can actually build their lives in such a way where they get where God wants them to go. And we also believe that teaching equips parents to raise their kids in the Lord. We see this all the way from the principle back in Deuteronomy. We see that Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. There are other verses. And so teaching is very important so that teachers and those who have the gift of teaching can equip parents, even for their homes, so that they can be the primary disciplers of their household. And this is something that we want to cultivate more and more and more. We want the teaching gift to deepen and grow in the body of Christ, even today. We have a lot of good teaching, but we also have a lot of false teaching. And we want to make sure that we're sharpening this gift, we're releasing this gift, and we're training people in this gift as well. And we want to focus on the third and final gift, a motivational gift for our session today. And that gift is the gift of encouragement. The definition of this gift is the ability to come alongside somebody in order to strengthen, comfort, challenge, and counsel with both words and action. This is the definition of the gift of encouragement. In our passage, you will see the word exhortation, but this word can be translated comfort, console, entreat, implore, or counsel. So the better word for this gift is the gift of encouragement based on what that definition of exhortation really means. Sometimes we think exhortation is just somebody that challenges or speaks at people, not really comes behind them. And so a person who has this gift is always thinking about how to help someone grow. If you have this gift, you're always thinking primarily initially how do i help this person grow remember we talked about a prophet is always think or a person with a prophetic gift is always thinking about what the lord is saying a teacher is always ha- thinking about how to help someone understand 
And a person with the gift of encouragement is always thinking about how to help someone grow. They're burdened by that very thing. Many scripture references, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 talks about encouraging one another today as you see the day approaching. This is where we, we see encouragement is necessary, even in a sense of urgency, because we only know that we have today. So don't skip out on this. Make sure you're encouraging people day by day. Don't you think we need more of that in the day we're living? People really do need encouragement. You do, I do, we all do. Acts chapter 4 verse 36, Barnabas is mentioned And he is actually called the son of encouragement by the apostles. Isn't that a pretty amazing title to have? This person is the son of encouragement. I don't know how they said that about him, but it sounds kind of funny. But really, I think that it's quite a title. And I think it's how they identified Barnabas. He was somebody that wanted to help people grow. He came behind them. He supported them. He strengthened them. He really got behind folks so that they could be all that God wanted them to be. Acts chapter 9, verse 27 is where Barnabas took Paul to the apostles and he endorsed him. Isn't it incredible that the person with the gift of encouragement actually was at the beginning stages of one of the greatest apostles' ministry? Here's Paul, one of the greatest apostles that's pretty much ever walked the earth. And Barnabas was the guy with his gift of encouragement that really helped Paul to become who he was supposed to be. And so I think that we see a principle there that people who have the gift of encouragement are really instrumental at the beginning stages of people's walks and also people's ministries to help get them going, endorse them, get them to the next level, help them to believe that God will even use them in such a way they're really capable and able and useful in the hands of the Lord to do these kinds of things. Some of the functions of the encourager or the gift of encouragement is number one, accept. The people with this gift accept others, they bring them in, they don't judge folks. They, they really, they have this predisposition to accept rather than judge, to support and strengthen rather than to hinder and be cautious. The prophetic gift might be a little bit more cautious, but the encourager is going to be quite a bit more optimistic. And so that might actually help you to discern what God has given to you. The second is discern. They have a unique ability to see what people are going through and to also know how to help them because that really is their drive and motivation. How can I help this person grow? And so there's a discernment working in them that's not like a negative discernment, but it's it's optimistic discernment, it's hopeful expectation. How can I help this person? What do they need? What really are they called to? And so they're constantly kind of thinking about that in a very discerning way. The third function is that the gift of encouragement develops This gift enables a person to disciple well, bringing wholeness and restoration to a person's life. You know, they're not just somebody that meets with people for coffee. They're a person that is a rescuer and a restorer. They want to be around people often. They're thinking about how to, you know, help people in their life. They're not just thinking about, you know, connecting and, and, and hanging out just for the sake of it. They really are carrying a burden to help develop people. They want people to grow to their potential. And so sometimes they're willing to make quite a bit of sacrifices to see a person developed. If you have the gift of encouragement, you're often thinking about, um, you're often thinking sacrificially. And uh, you don't really think about the sacrifice until you have to actually make it. And then you're like, oh, can I really do this? But you don't carry that hindrance initially or up front when you're thinking about uh, developing people because of the gift of encouragement. And the final thing that I noticed about the gift of encouragement is communication. These people tend to communicate well with wise words, counsel, advice. 
and even really how to help people take next steps in their walk. They can be very practical because they want to help people get to the next place. So here's the next step. I may not know what the next 10 years hold for your life, but here's the next step. Here's what you need to do. And they're kind of like a coach and they're helping people get here and then get here and then get here. And they're good at doing that, especially in the initial stages of someone's life, restoration or ministry. And so you may have that gift and you want to identify that or discern that through some of the comments that I made. I've seen this on a lot of people's lives. So whether you have the gift of prophecy or you have the gift of teaching or encouragement, what we want to do is we want to pray and we want to ask God, Lord, what have you given me and how can you help me to develop this? How can I develop this in my everyday life? Because I surely want to be that person that you've called me to be, but I want to benefit the body of Christ. I want to bring that gift out. You've designed me to be this way and I want to use it so that other people can be better. I don't want this gift to be dormant. I don't want this gift to be on the shelf. I want to take it off the shelf and make it useful every day, it, that it would be a daily use. And this is what God can enable us to do. So this is what I'm going to pray for you about and even our next session as well. May God give us the ability to know what we have and to use it well for His glory. So this is my prayer for you today. Father, thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gifts that you've given to us. As we've been born again, you've put those gifts inside of us. And I pray for all my friends that are watching this video today. I pray that you would help us to discern what you've given to us. And then Lord, I also pray that you'd help us to develop it and exercise it. Lord, give us great faith to exercise the gifts that you've given us. And I pray that your body would be strengthened as a result of it. People in our lives would be lifted, encouraged, comforted, strengthened. And I pray God that you would also add to us hopeful expectation. And not only that you would use us, but that in using us, we would see other people become useful, more useful in your hands, because that's simply what investment will do. As we invest into others, other people will rise up and invest and reproduce what you've done through our giving as well. And so we thank you for that today, Lord. We pray, highlight what we have and help us to use it for your glory and your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. I look forward to finishing Motivational Gifts in our next session. Yeah, I will be.